podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. The day after Liverpool 2, Chelsea 2 at Stamford Bridge. The Reds went into a 2-0 lead, a goal from Sadio Mane after a bad mistake from, the ta- from Trevor Chalaba. Let him in, he rounded the goalkeeper and put it into the back of the net on nine minutes. That came after Mane could potentially have been sent off on about seven seconds. A long ball sent his direction. He jumped with Aspilicueta. His forearm kind of caught Aspilicueta in the face. Well, it did catch Aspilicueta in the face. Aspi went down. Chelsea claimed it was an elbow. It clearly wasn't an elbow. Martin Tyler never shut up about it for the rest of the game. But Mane got a yellow. Probably one of the quickest yellows that's ever been seen in the Premier League. And on we went. Mane opened the scoring on nine. And then Salah on 26 with an absolute worldie. A brilliant ball by Trent into the channel. He squared up Marcus Alonso, froze him with a little shimmy, and finished at the near post past Mendy. It was absolutely brilliant. Liverpool were, t- were tuning up on 25 and hadn't even played well. Liverpool were getting overrun in midfield, not playing well. But thankfully, the defence was playing well. The attack looked like it was lively. And we were two up. At that point, Chelsea sort of fell apart. And there was about a 15-minute spell from the second goal to about the 35th, 40th minute, from which Liverpool really should have made hay. Chelsea were all over the place. They looked stretched. They looked lost. They looked scared. They weren't committing to attacks because they were worried about getting caught behind. We were exposing the massive flaws each of their individual defenders has. And then on 42, James Milner gives away a stupid free kick. Milner hadn't played well to this point. He'd tried hard. He'd put his foot in. He'd covered a bit of ground. But he wasn't playing well. He couldn't keep the ball in the 70 minutes or however long he was on the pitch. He completed only 12 or 13 passes. It wasn't just him. Henderson had an absolute shocker as well. And those two together never work. I'll come back to it. But the free kick is put into the box. And we end up with Cuevin Kelleher punching the ball clear. And Mateo Kovacic standing unmarked on the edge of the penalty box. Jordan Henderson running towards him as the ball drops. And Kovacic just... Puts it right in the top corner. First time on the volley, he puts it right in the top corner. There's absolutely nothing that anybody could do about it. It is a sensational goal. It's similar to the goal that Naby scored against Crystal Palace. I don't think it's as good as Naby's. I think Naby's is a more difficult technique. But it is a sensational goal. And there's nothing Kelleher could do. Kelleher had already made a couple of big, big interventions. 
was looking calm, was looking confident, wasn't rash, made good decisions. But four months later, it's 2-2. Now, there's a lot of things that I can criticise Jordan Henderson for as a footballer, but the biggest one is his abject failure with tracking runners. And it happened again here. He let Christian Pulisic get the run on him. Tried to get back. At least he put in the effort this time, unlike against Leicester. But couldn't get close. Now, I've seen some people criticise Virgil on this. And I can understand why they're criticising Virgil. Virgil maybe could have come across and tried to put in a challenge on Pulisic. I think what they're missing, though, is that Virgil is marking Mason Mount. Dead centre of the goal, eight yards out. If Virgil moves towards Pulisic, Pulisic just slides the ball straight to Mason Mount, and Mount has an open goal. It's a disappointing goal to concede. It's 2-2. We've had no ability to control the ball in midfield. Chelsea were in ascendancy in the second half until Jorginho came on. And then the game just got really flat. Liverpool brought on Naby. He tried to force the issue, tried to get us moving. Ox came on as the false nine. Don't understand that move at all. Don't really understand much of what happened. Don't understand how Jordan Henderson stayed in the pitch for 90 minutes. His form this season is massively concerning. Should be massively concerning to absolutely everybody. You look at the games he's played in this season. And look how poor he's been in so many of them. I mean, both games against Chelsea, he's been the worst player on the pitch. He was awful against Brentford, awful against City, awful against Brighton. Awful against West Ham. Poor against Wolves. Poor against Villa. In fact, awful against uh, Wolves. Klopp hauled him off. Poor against Villa. Poor against Newcastle. Dreadful in both games against Leicester. He was terrible at home to Milan. He scored, but he was terrible. And he was awful in Madrid. And it's not like he's been great in the rest of the games he's played either. You know, you think back to Porto away, he wasn't good. Palace at home, he didn't play well in that game. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. He was 6 out of 10 in those games. All of those other games, and I believe there are 13 of them, he was 5 out of 10 or worse. Bad to awful. And his good games this season, Burnley, Watford, They're teams that don't attack you through the middle. They're easy games for him to play in. Played really well away to Everton. That was his best performance of the season. He played well against Manchester United, though they did have success breaking through the middle of the park where he was. It's very, very tough to defend him in any way. And I asked the question on social media last night, of which Liverpool journalists would have the courage to come out and say that he's having a terrible season. 
and not one of them has done it. Uh, James Pierce said that he's had a few poor games lately, ignored the season. Ian Doyle said he's been poor since Everton. He was good against Everton and he's been poor since. Ignored everything before that. Tried to lump in Fabinho and Virgil to, to distract the blame from Henderson. Mil, um, Pierce did the same. Said that Fabinho struggled yesterday as well. It's not Henderson's fault. When asked how it was that he could write an article slandering Naby Keita after one poor game, Pierce rambled on about, you know, clock picks, Henderson, yada, yada, yada. Either unable to form an independent thought or scared to criticise Jordan Henderson. Not one of the journalists who cover the team have had the courage to come out and suggest that it's time for Jordan Henderson to be dropped because he's not good enough right now. And he was bo- like he was poor last season as well. This is not a new thing. He was poor last season. Then he went to centre-back and he was dreadful. Then he got hurt. So this isn't a recent thing. This is now 18 months of him not being very good. But they're trying to whitewash his form so that if and when he turns it around, they can pretend he had a good season. The same thing happened in the 1920 season. He was poor from August to November and it wasn't talked about. Then Fabinho got hurt. He moved from the number eight position where he struggled to the number six position and he played really, really well for four months. Then he got hurt. Then he came back and was poor and then he got hurt again. And they gave him Footballer of the Year based on four months of the season because they whitewashed the first four months of the season. And they're trying to do it again this season. But it is time somebody addressed the fact that Liverpool's captain right now is a liability. And it is not in the team on merit. He does not deserve to be in this team. And people say, well, what other options are there? Well. Naby Keita would be an option. He's having a good season. He came on against Leicester in the Cup, was by far the best player on the pitch, and has been left out the last two games. So, I don't know what the issue is there, what it is that he's done something wrong, but surely somebody needs to have a quick word publicly about the form of the captain. I mean, we know that Thiago would have improved things massively yesterday. We know that's the case. He is just a different level of footballer. Liverpool have played eight Premier League games this season in which Thiago has started. They have won all eight of them. They've scored 22 goals and conceded two. When Thiago's come on as a sub, they've played three, won one, draw one, and lost one. Scored five, conceded four. Without Thiago, they've played nine, 
won three, drawn five, lost one, scored 24, conceded 11. Without Thiago, Liverpool have no control in midfield. There's no creativity in midfield. Ox would be another option to start. Ox is having quite a decent season. He's a little bit inconsistent. He does struggle a little bit on the left side of midfield, but that's not his role. He was brought on as a false nine yesterday, and uh, that's clearly not his role either. He is a right-sided number eight. He's the attacking midfielder, and he would be more worthy of a start right now than Jordan Henderson. But yet, consistently, I see excuses made that wouldn't be made for other players. We won games this season and Nabi and Ibu got hit pieces written about them by the Athletic. Jordan Henderson has contributed to basically every game in which Liverpool have dropped points this year except Spurs. And yet not a word has been said. Not one word. It's almost as if there's a little bit of bias there. Anyway, let's move on to the main Liverpool sites. Uh, Reds need change of focus, says this is Anfield. Five talking points from Chelsea to Liverpool to uh, Jack Lusby. Salah says goodbye with a goal, obviously, as does Mane. Both of them off to AFCON now. So, you know, that's great. That's absolutely magnificent. Sadio Mane, by the way, also um, slandered recently by the Athletic uh, for a little bit of a goal drought that he went through. Uh, he scored yesterday. Nothing said. Cuevin Kelleher, the stand-in. I thought he was excellent yesterday. The question is, can he continue to improve in-house? Or does he need to go on loan and play more regularly? That's the question we've got to answer with Cuevin. Uh, a big midfield call. So, yeah, Klopp went with James Milner, who will be 36 tomorrow, and Jordan Henderson. This is a midfield that's never worked, ever. Go back and look at the results with this midfield, especially in games against good teams, and it is not good. People will say, oh, they beat Man United this season. The midfield had no control in that game until Milner went off. And Curtis came on and we had someone who could put their foot in the ball. Naby was also the best player on the day. People say, oh, that midfield got us to a Champions League final. No, it didn't. No, it didn't at all. Uh, in fact, if you go back and look at that Champions League campaign, Liverpool played 13 games. Those two only played together in five of them, started together in five of them. Liverpool won two of them, drew one, and lost two of them. And the two important games they started, away in Rome, or two most important games, I should say, away in Rome, they were awful. Liverpool got dominated in midfield. And the final. And again, Liverpool got dominated in midfield. But that's been overlooked because of the injury to Salah and Karius's howlers. That's forgotten about that final is that our midfield couldn't get a kick in the ball. 
they couldn't find Luka Modric on the pitch. They just ran around aimlessly. Linder's auditions. I mean, I don't know if you can say much about Pep and Linder's on the touchline yesterday. I doubt he picked the team. I doubt he had anything to do with the substitutions. Uh, a welcome change of focus. Obviously, now Liverpool can put the league to one side and focus in on the League Cup semi-finals against Arsenal and the FA Cup third round against Shrewsbury. Um, I don't know what kind of team Liverpool are going to be able to fa- field in the League Cup semi-final. I think Klopp should go as full strength as he can for, for both semi-final games. Play the kids or whoever in the FA Cup should still have enough to beat Shrewsbury. But I think he should go full strength, as full strength as he can. But Mo and Mane are gone. Bobby is out with COVID. Matip is out with COVID. But Ibu can come in, so that's fine. He played well yesterday. Robbo can play again. Allison's out with COVID. So if you go Kelleher, Trent, Ebu, Virgil, Robbo. Ox. Fabinho, Curtis in midfield. Jota. Maybe play Costas left wing. And if one of Taki or Divock is fit, play them as the third attacker. If not, play Cade Gordon. I think he should go as strong as he can. But unfortunately, Liverpool have no depth up front now. Uh, Divock is out with some sort of ailment that's kept him out for a little while. Since Wolves, I think, isn't it? Um, Taki is out. Two boys are away. Bobby has COVID. Now, we could blame it on bad luck. You know, we blamed last season on bad luck when, in truth, it was down to bad planning. And this season is down to bad planning as well. We knew that Mo and Mane would go to AFCON. So we knew we'd lose them and, and Naby, obviously. We knew that COVID was a thing and in all likelihood we would have another bout of absentees through COVID. We knew that was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen. All you had to do was listen to scientists. They told us this was going to happen. Even people who just looked at the Spanish flu and how the waves of it came, they told us this was going to happen. So we knew those two things were going to happen. We have to have known injuries were a possibility after what we lived through last season. And yet, once again, we failed to plan. And what this has done is it's led to some people who, after the summer and for the early part of this season when Liverpool were doing well, couldn't have been more arrogant in their dismissal of those who suggested Liverpool left themselves short. 
abused them online, laughed at them, called them bedwetters, different things of that nature, mocked anyone that suggested Liverpool should have done more. Well, they're all out now claiming the integrity of the league is compromised, claiming that what are we meant to do? And now, now, well, you can't expect Liverpool to compete with Man City. But two months ago, you said Liverpool were going to win the league. So two months ago, not only did you expect Liverpool to compete with City, you said they were going to overcome City. Now you're saying they can't compete with them. Now you're admitting the squad wasn't strong enough. But now you're still not admitting you were wrong. You're still not apologising for the arrogance with which you dismissed other people, other fans of the club. The fact is, Liverpool left themselves short for the second summer in a row. And it's not just the second summer in a row. It's the fourth summer in a row. Where Liverpool have failed to plan properly. I could be wrong. Is it the third summer in a row? When did we win the Champions League? It's the third summer in a row. Um, we won a Champions League. It's about four million quid. Just think of that for one second. We won a Champions League and spent four million quid. Now, nobody's asking for FSG to spend hundreds of million every single year. But we continually praise the club for how brilliant they are in the transfer market. For how well equipped they are to sign players and how they identify players and different things like that, how they find value. You're telling me that 40 million in the hands of Michael Edwards couldn't have led to three good players? But just as an example, now I'm not saying these players are good enough to start for Liverpool, but potentially they could be good enough to be squad players at Liverpool who Klopp could develop. Johan Visa, who scored an absolute worldie for Brentford at the weekend, I think he cost 13 million. Max Cornet, he's scored about six worldies for Burnley this season. Uh, he cost 15 million. Um, Michael Elise, who was brilliant for Palace when he came on against West Ham and has looked really, really impressive so far this season, he cost 8 million. Damari Gray cost 1.7 million. Emmanuel Dennis cost 3.5 million. Now, admittedly, some of these players would also be gone to AFCON, but maybe if they'd been playing, the likes of Taki and Divock wouldn't be injured. Or, you know, we could have just sold them and not had to worry about them. My point is, you can find value. Liverpool don't always need to buy players who are going to be starters. They can buy players to develop and sell and then reinvest that money into a replacement. Certain players, Salah, Trent, Fab, Virgil, Alisson, they're every game starters. They're there no matter what. So you don't buy a player to replace them. You buy a player to be their backup. You develop that player for two years, give them opportunities. The hope would be that they've got some versatility, can play other positions. 
for example, your your Fabinho backup and your Virgil backup could be the same player. A Bubakar Kamara type who can play holding midfield or centre back. Your right back, maybe he can also play holding midfield. Your right-sided forward, well, maybe he can also be a left-sided forward or a right-sided eight, or he can play some games at centre-forward. But he'll get some games, he'll get sub-opportunities, he'll get cup games. And maybe he does enough over two years that the £15 million you bought him for becomes 25 in two years. You then take that 25 you bank 10 of it, and you go with another £15 million, you sign another one. You do the same in all these different positions. That's what Costas is. Costas is a player we bought for 11 or 12 million. And the plan will be that if he continues to play as well as he has this season and come the summer, he decides maybe he'd like to go and play elsewhere because he'd like to play more often. We'll get 20, 25 million for him. And then we'll go and we'll try and find another left back for 12 to 15 million and we'll bank the rest or we'll put the rest towards a different position. Put that towards maybe a first team signing. A player who is coming in to start. A Jude Bellingham, a Rafinha, somebody of that nature. Not every signing needs to be done with the intention of this player is going to start in this position. But when you start to look at our squad, it needs an overhaul. It needs an overhaul. Not only did we leave ourselves short, but certain players were always overrated and have now declined and need to be replaced. Other players have declined and need to be replaced. Bobby Firmino needs to be replaced. Sadio, I would say, it is time to now replace Sadio. Because I wouldn't want to give him a new contract because I think the last couple of years would look really ugly on that contract. The same with Bobby. The same reason I wouldn't have given Henderson a contract. Milner's going to have to be replaced. Ox probably needs to be upgraded on. Naby should probably be probably be probably be sold. Probably be sold because he doesn't seem to have the manager's faith. So when you start to boil it down, you know, Divock's not good enough. Tacky's not really good enough. They're good players. Don't get me wrong. They are good players. They're not really good enough. They've served their purpose. Divock has served his purpose. It's time for him to go somewhere. Tacky, talent-wise, no doubt. I think talent-wise, Tacky is absolutely good enough. His issue is the physicality, and he doesn't really fit in how we play. Tacky's best position doesn't exist in Liverpool's 4-3-3. The best club for Tacky in England was Southampton. Unfortunately, physically, he just... Couldn't really cope with it. That 4-2-2-2 is what Tacky is built for. That's what we bought him on the basis of. Him and Dominic playing behind Haaland and Wang in that four box two. We don't play that way. Yes, he can kind of play as a nine. But... He's the fourth choice nine. He's not well suited to the wide roles in our system. Weekend was just disappointing. It was just disappointing. I don't know what what else there is to say. Um, I can't really be bothered with a bunch of transfer rumours today, I have to say. 
there is one piece here. Liverpool may have a new option for Arsenal and Shrewsbury as rare transfer error comes to an end. I assume this is about Leighton Clarkson. Uh, Leighton Clarkson really, really struggled in the Championship. He did not look up to the level of the Championship, unfortunately. So, um, probably not one for us to really be considering. Uh, Liverpool can save millions in transfer market by signing elite Jared Bowen alternative. Uh, This is about Keen Lewis Potter, who is the man that replaced Bowen at Hull. Uh, 20 years of age. Had an impressive season last year. 15 goals in 51 games. 13 in 43 in League One. Uh, 5 and 23 in the Championship this season. Uh, not, not great. Not great. Talented, but very, very early. Big jump. No, let's leave him where he is. And let's leave Bowen where he is as well. Um... Anfieldindex.com, player ratings, and these player ratings have been compiled by Mr. Stephen Smith. He gave Kelleher an 8, Trent a 7, Costas a 7, Virgil a 7, Ibu a 6.5, Fab a 7.5, Milner a 5.5, Henderson a 5, Mane a 7. Jota a 5.5 and Salah 7.5. Naby with a 6 off the bench. Ox with a 5. Curtis, I mean, Curtis came on just to run around a bit. Uh, Podcast wise, there was a a Nina Kowser show, which you can check out on the free side of Anfield Index. And on Pro, there was post match raw Trev, Harry, and Carl giving their immediate reactions to the game yesterday. And that's it for me today, folks. I've gone long. Apologies, but I had a lot to say. I'll not be here tomorrow. I'm getting my vaccination booster thing tomorrow. And I've got some of the stuff to take care of. So I'll be back Wednesday. I will see you Wednesday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.